Talking ASB Classic on the program now, and we're joined by Dr. Pocket Square, Mr. Carl Budge, of course. Uh, he's the tournament director of the ASB Classic with some rather good news for fans of tennis. Good news for him as well. Two-time champion John Isner is back for the 2019 tournament. Hard guy to get over the line, Carl? Oh, probably not, to be honest. It was, um, it was probably pretty easy, Darcy. So uh, I guess we've had a long-term relationship now with with, uh, with John, mate. He's, he's won it here twice. His first ever ATP title was here in Auckland. So uh, we know he loves the place, and uh, it was just a matter of uh, getting through US Open and, and him being ready to make a decision. So how does the negotiation process work with a guy like that? You ring him up, yeah, you keen, mate? How much, or how does it work? Mate, ultimately it's just about finding a number that will give them an answer when you need it. I think we all collectively knew that John would come back. He, we've got a very good relationship. We know he loves it. It works very well for uh, for, for his his lead up to the Australian Open. It's relaxed. It's easy. It's it's very much like John. So really, the the money is just about getting his agent Sam to go. Yeah, go on. You can start talking about it, and, and ultimately that's what we've done. He's had a cracking year as well. In fact, he's had not a bad last couple of weeks. So he's in he's in some wonderful form. Let's hope he can hold it. Yeah, mate, it's been his best year on tour, I think, for, and that's a, a, a pretty good statement for a guy that's achieved as much as what John Isner has. So, you know, he's uh, not only been making really big runs at Grand Slams, he was a semi-finalist at Wimbledon playing that absolute epic against Kevin Anderson in the semi-final, uh, a quarter-finalist uh, in, in US Open uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and won his first uh, his first ATP Masters 1000 tournament in Miami too. So that, that was a huge week for John, uh, beating Del Potro, Zverev and uh, and Sean on road. So no, he's in great form. Is there a chance he gets to beat Del Potro again at this tournament next year? Yeah, there is. We're um, still having that, those chats with uh, with the big fella. Um, one of my team is uh, is worse at giving uh, an answer than, than you are on, on motorsport related topics. So he uh, he's pretty slow to to make a decision. But uh, we hope that once he uh, he gets through the Asian swing, you'll start thinking about the new year, and that tends to be when we've signed him in the past. Zip. How problematic is that for you, trying to put a tournament together, dealing with a guy that just simply won't commit to the last possible moment? Yeah, look, a fast no is better than a slow maybe, so it's, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it is a challenge. Um, we know that with, with Juan Martin, it's, it's why guys like John become really important to us. So getting getting your I guess your base locked away with with chaps like John who'll be top ten, um, it at least gives you the ability to go okay. Well, I don't need to rush into making other decisions. That you know, if if we don't get him, we've still got some great talent up up the top end. Um, if we do, we've got a bit of money up our sleeve to uh, to, to chuck a, a pretty attractive offer when he does decide to start thinking about next year. So, what is the rest of the talent at the top of the tree? You've obviously confirmed, isn't it? Uh, who else are you, are you waiting on? You're probably unlikely to give us names. But there's no point in not asking. Is there? What do you reckon? Yeah, there's, there's a lot being done at the moment. So that US Open swing's always a big one for us. So, as the moment that people have got through the last Grand Slam of the year, they start thinking about what they're going to do at the start of next year. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're fairly advanced with with a number of players in the top twenty. Um, we're, we're very confident we'll see sort of five, six, seven guys in and around that top 20 mark. So, um, yeah, the fields are looking very, very strong already. Um, I think we, we will flirt with a, with a couple more players in the top 10 also. Um, so it's whether how results go, there's, there's a lot of uh, competitive, uh, competitiveness sorry, between that sort of number five and 15 in the world at the moment. So we're, we're still quite a few points for the remainder of the year to go. Um, we've got to see how, how those others go, but I think we'll flirt with a couple more players in the top 10. This Carl Budge joins us tournament director the ASB Classic. There's no limitations, are there, for the men's side of the draw? You can you can have world number one, two, three, four, five if you want, can't you? 
Yeah, we can. And that, that makes life a whole lot easier when you think, uh, you know, this time last year, someone like a Jack Sock was 28 in the world and he wins one tournament and goes to number eight in the world. So it's, um, you know, you, you need those, you know, the, the ability to be a little bit more flexible. And, you know, we, we look a lot around what player schedule is looking like for the rest of the year and start trying to make some predictions on where we think players might finish. Um, and you start to take a few uh, a few punts with a few of those guys going, oh, we know, you know someone like John, for example, plays well on hard courts. That's his best surface. There's only hard court tournaments left for the remainder of the year. So you go, right, chances are he's going to probably go better than most. So if he's sitting nine now, maybe he goes up six, five, six in the world by, by the time tournaments come around. But that doesn't affect what you do. Is it more of just a crowd-pulling mechanism? And do you actually need that to say we've got so-and-so's 8, 9 or 10 or 11? Does it make any difference for you? I think it helps. It's always a nice story. I think, uh, you know, while I think we all uh, all know tennis very well, I'm not sure that we necessarily know those those big names outside. You, you know, you, you select few at the very top. So I think ranking really helps. I think getting those um, those guys that uh, that are in form and and either inside or flirting with the top ten, I think, uh, makes a big difference in terms of just creating that excitement. And and for us, if we're bringing in new names, they need to be names that have a, some real credibility and. Um, and solidarity around them, so that that rank helps. I think uh, make that uh, I guess the confidence in those players a little bit better for us as well. So you're dealing with a new name then? Yeah, we are. We, well, we always do. We always want new faces here. We want guys that uh, uh, that are going to bring something different. We want different um, different styles of, of tennis. I think you know a criticism of fields I've put together in the previous year has been that there is quite a bit of similarity in some of the players. Yeah, uh, uh, Kevin Anderson, John is the Sam Query. There's a lot of similarities in those guys. And sometimes if you've uh, if you've drawn if you happen to have a day where they're playing back to back, you know by by the end of that third game. You've uh, you know you've seen that style of tennis for quite a while, so you know, where the the focus this year for us has been really trying to mix it up, getting uh, some guys that play a really different style, um, and ultimately make it hopefully a bit more entertaining. A little harder for the women's side of the draw, though, isn't it? Because you're very limited on the players you can have in the top ten. What's well, only one, isn't it? So how do you go about juggling that? And, and what, what I believe, when's the actual cutoff? Like, if you sign a couple of players who are top 10 and one of them slips out before the start of the tournament, you can get away with it because there's only one in. Is that, that how you go about this, Carl? Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. So we we've, we sort of end up with plans A, B and C. Um, we, we've done deals in the past where uh, where we've gone, right, we you know, we will do a deal if you're not top 10. Um, you know, we're, which is a, a really strange conversation to, to have. <laughs> um, yeah, to, to be rewarding non-performance in a, in a strange way is quite a uh, a weird one, but uh, you know it's a necessary evil for us. Uh, so the, the women's field is much harder to put together than the men's. Um, that said, we we're in a in a stronger week in the women's, so we tend to have more ability to play. Um, so yeah, that doesn't make it any easier. Particularly, you know, you uh, I use the example from last year where Sloane Stevens at Wimbledon, we agreed a wild card for her because she wasn't going to be able to get into the tournament. She then goes on and wins US Open and goes top ten, <laughs> and so it's uh, yeah that those ones become very challenging to to plan. But um, yeah, thankfully we've got a bit of experience at it. It's uh, it's not quite our first rate, and we, we know how to sort of work the system and um, yeah, at least make some educated pumps as much as we can. Well, good luck for the rest of the year, and uh, good luck for securing more big names, but not too big uh, for the women's draw. But uh, nice to have John Isner on, Isner on board for the men's. Carl Budge, thanks for your time. Cheers, Darcy.